The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Father, we give you praise. Glory to God. Ask someone beside you, how has January, how has 2021 been for you so far? Has God been good? Have you seen his goodness? Have you seen his faithfulness? Is there hope arising in your hearts? Glory to God. That's what God has been putting before our hearts this, you know, and our faces this year. That we should definitely allow our hope to rise over and above whatever we may see around us. Because indeed, God has a plan. God always has a plan. No matter the situation, the good, the bad, the ugly. God is never taken by surprise. He's never taken by surprise by the things that happen to you. And therefore, he's deliberate about executing his plan concerning you as his son and daughter. And that's why we have every reason to be hopeful. We have every reason to be grateful. We have every reason to look towards a 2021 and a beyond 2021 that is greater than the years that we have known in the past because God is for you. Come and say amen if you believe that. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to continue looking at God's word this morning. Um, looking at the subject, God has a plan and purposeful living in troubling times. Purposeful living in troubling times. Let's start from the book of Ruth. We've been studying the book of Ruth for some time now. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons, and her husband. What a tragedy for this woman to experience. The Bible tells us that Elimelech, there was famine in the land, and Elimelech was looking for green pastures, greener pastures. And he thought it wise at the time. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us what inspired him or who inspired him to make that choice. But he thought that, oh, there was a land that was better than where he was abiding at the time. And they weren't experiencing the famine as strong as, as, as they were experiencing in Bethlehem. And he thought it would be a good idea to move his family there, which is... I mean, any natural father, any natural parents will want to do that. You want the best for your wife. You want the best for your children. And you think that you make decisions, you know, for, 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 for their ultimate good. But what happened eventually? That singular decision 
cost him his entire family. It cost him his own life. It cost him the life of his two sons. You know, it's so important for us to realize that the decisions that we make in life, either consciously or unconsciously, they would have an impact on those that are around us. They will have an impact, you know, on the lives, on the future of the people that are connected to us one way or the other. Now, many people can relate with what Elimelech must have felt at that time. He was under a lot of pressure and he wanted a better life, you know, and he felt that the way to have a better life was to leave the current situation that he was in. You know, you can compare it to someone, you know, in, in, in our day-to-day. You're working in a company, and the company seems to be going under. And you think that the best opportunity for you at that time is to jump ship. It may work, it may not work. We have today also, very clearly in our country, Nigeria, there are difficulties that no one can, de- you know, deny. There's hardship all around the society that, no, that we all are, 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 are privy to. And so you have many people looking for greener pastures, potting to Canada, relocating to Canada for, you know, seeking good greener pastures. And, you know, it, it applies to any situation at all in life. When things are not going the way you expected, when things are not going the way you anticipated, there is a natural tendency to want to, you know, look for every method, every available opportunity to just, you know, kill that difficulty and go somewhere else that it seems that looks better than what you have now. You know, like they say, the grass is always greener on the other side. And it's not all that glitters that is actually gold. Glory to God. So any situation that, that, you know, you are experiencing difficulty, things are not moving the way you are. You know, you should never ever get to the point where that difficulty pushes you to take a decision that will be detrimental to your life or to the life of the people that are around you. Because there are always consequences for decisions and actions that we take in life. Your decisions in life must always be based on God's leading, on God's instructions, and on God's direction. The Bible doesn't tell us what the basis for Elimelech's decision was. But all that we know was the result of the decisions that he took. The Bible says in Proverbs 14.12, and the same thing in Proverbs 16.25, that there is a way that seems right to a man, But its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right. There's a path that makes common sense. You have calculated everything and you think this will definitely work. All things have aligned in your favor in that sense. And you think everything is going to work out right. But if God is not in it, the Bible says that the way that seems right may result in being a way of death may result in cutting you off completely, may result in your destruction one way or the other. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I also want to read this same verse in the Passion Translation and the Message Translation. 
trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. I think the message is extremely clear. It says that we should learn to depend on God in every decision. God has a voice and he's going to cause that voice to be heard. He's going to cause that voice to come to you in every situation, in every aspect of your life. But only when you learn to acknowledge him. The Bible says that we should acknowledge him in all our ways. I know many times the simplest thing for us to do, the easiest thing for you to do, we don't know it all. It's just let God know that God, you are in control of my life. You are my Lord and I'm trusting you because you, you know my end from my beginning. I'm trusting every aspect of my life into your hands. I'm trusting you to lead me and to guide me in the way that you want me to go. All we need is to take that posture before God. And even when we make a mistake, we have already set ourselves up for God to correct us. But we miss it, like, like, like Proverbs was saying, when we think we know it on our own, when we think that we know it all, when we consider ourselves to be wise in our own eyes, the Bible makes us understand that we only know in part. And part time, God is only going to reveal part of his plan for us. And so it behoves us that every step of the way, every aspect of our lives, we should consciously surrender and submit to God and allow him to make decisions for us and allow him to show us what he wants us to do. Allow him to lead us and to guide us. You should never get to the point where you're making decisions either small or big without seeking God and without seeking his voice. And without, without maintaining the posture of, Lord, if you ask me to turn back, I'm going to turn back. That's what it means to acknowledge God in all your ways. Letting him know that you are set to obey him. Letting him know that you are set to listen to his voice. Letting him know that you are open for him to lead you into where exactly he wants you to go. So God has a voice that wants to be heard. And no matter the hardship that you might be experiencing, no matter how complex the situation that you are experiencing in life is, God always has a plan. God always has a plan because he sees beyond us. Psalm 37 verses 18 and 19 says, The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. They will not be put to shame in the day of evil. Like Pastor T said, God no go shame you. God says you will not be put to shame. And whether there is a famine in the land or not, God says that you will be satisfied. So God always has a plan to ensure that you are satisfied. God always has a plan to 
ensure that the famine does not destroy you. All you need to do is to position yourself to get that plan. And the instruction and the plan that we have, he has for you may not be the same as he has for another. And we're going to, I mean, see, 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 see what God, how God led a couple of people in the, in the scriptures that experienced famine one way or the other. And he brought them out. So God knows how to take care of you through thick and thin. Don't wreck your destiny by trying to escape from hard times. Because sometimes the answer is in the middle of that famine. The answer is in the middle of that difficulty. The solution to your problem is right there around you. And doesn't necessarily always have, re, 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 require you to relocate or require you, you know, to end that problem as it were. Recall when, when Paul, the Bible says that Paul had a thorn in the flesh and he called out to God, God, take this thing away from me. Three times. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So God's answer was not necessarily to take away the hard, the hard issue, the difficulty, the problem. That wasn't God's answer for him. But God's answer for him at that point was that, I need you to learn to tap into my grace. Because you have not learned to know my grace. When you know that my grace is more than sufficient for you, you will know that you have more than enough to withstand that circumstance. You will have more than enough to withstand whatever it is the enemy might be throwing against you. And that was how Paul came through. That was how Paul came through. So hard times do not always call for you to escape. The children of Israel, the Bible says that God brought them out from Egypt. And they got to the desert and they were missing the good food that they had in Egypt. And they thought that the answer was to go back to Egypt. And they started complaining to Moses that, oh, oh, that we will have all the fancy food that we were eating while we were back there in Egypt. But what happened? In the middle of the desert, God provided manna for them. In the middle of the desert, God renewed their clothes and the, and the shoes they had on their feet so that nothing wore off. In the middle of the desert, God ensured that they were well taken care of. So God's answer for them was not necessarily to go back to Egypt, but in the midst, in the middle of that desert, there was an answer. God brought forth an answer. And so God gave them everything that they needed in the middle of nowhere. So God knows how to take care of you. God always has a plan, but are we seeking God's plan? Are we running by God's plan? Or we are running by the plan that you have carved out for yourself, thinking you have it all together? Naomi, was in Moab, um, Naomi and the family, they were in Moab for 10 years. Now, have you ever thought to ask yourself, what if Elimelech had just decided to wait it out in Bethlehem? Perhaps he wouldn't have died. Perhaps he wouldn't have lost his sons. And someone said, well, maybe perhaps they wouldn't have met Ruth. But just hold that thought about Ruth. We'll come back there. But who knows? He may have survived, but the Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will always make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He will always make a way of escape. There's nothing that comes against you. There's nothing that, that comes to attack you that you are not able to withstand, that you are not able to bear. Once you learn to tap into the grace of God, and once you learn to find out from God, God, what is your answer 
to this problem? What is your answer to this challenge? What is your answer to this hardship? What is your answer to this famine? Where is the supply that you have provided for me? But God always has a plan. Let's look into the lives of, of some other people in the Bible that experienced famine. The life of Abraham. Now, if you, go, if you go into Genesis 12, we see that God appeared to Abraham and God told Abraham, I want you to leave your father's land. I want you to leave your place of comfort. I want you to leave everything that you have known from the day you were born. And I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And what did Abraham do? Abraham commenced on a journey of obedience. But as he went along that journey, he was moving from place to place, building a tent here, acknowledging God as he went. The Bible says he got to a point where um, there was famine in the land. And then he decided to go into Egypt. Now we see from even the life of Abraham that Abraham was definitely not a perfect man. We see that he began to devise some ways to protect himself. You know, he told his wife, when you go into this land of Egypt, tell them that you are my sister. So that they will not kill me. He thought he was able to preserve himself. But what happened eventually, the, the people of the land got to know and God came through for him eventually. And the Bible makes us understand that by the time he was leaving Egypt, he was living with cattle, with, with gold, with silver. He was living as a rich man. He was living as a blessed man. He was living as a man that was well endowed. So God allowed him to go into Egypt. You know, and, the Bible, and if we look at the account of God, the things that God said concerning Abraham. God said Abraham was his friend. You know, there were things that God wanted to do. And God said, how will I do this thing without revealing it to my friend? You know, God said about Abraham that he knew that he would order, his, he would command his children after the ways of God. Amen. So even though Abraham was far from a perfect man, God could see the heart of Abraham. And Abraham had embarked on that journey of obedience, and so God led him every step of the way. So he got to the land of Egypt, you know, trying to escape from famine, and God blessed him, even though, you know, he, 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 he tried to be smart in his own way. God came to his rescue, and he left a rich man. Amen. Let's look at the life of Isaac. Isaac... In Genesis 26, from verse 1. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all this land, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Now, Abraham must have educated Isaac about what he did when he experienced the famine. He went to Egypt. And it was natural for Isaac to want to follow in the footsteps of his father, Abraham. But God told him, no. I won't have you go down to Egypt. I know that was what I planned for your father. That was what I allowed your father to do. But that's not the plan that I have for you. My plan for you is that you should stay in this land of famine. And I will be with you. And the things that I had promised to your father Abraham, I will bring those things to manifestation in your life. Even though there is famine in this land. In the midst of famine. Verse 12 says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper. 
and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So the fact that everyone around you is going in a particular direction does not mean that God wants that for you. The fact that your father is going in a particular direction does not mean that what, that is what God has planned and ordained for you. So you as an individual have a responsibility to find out God's plan for you. Like I said, God always has a plan. He had something completely different from, uh, for Isaac. He had a way in which he was going to ensure that Isaac was prosperous. That the blessing that he had released upon his father Abraham would also come to manifestation in his own life. So God is never stranded. God is never stranded. So it's important that we learn to stay in our lane. If Isaac had decided, no way. The fact that I have before me is that my father went to Egypt. And that was the way he prospered. And therefore, I'm going to follow my father's steps and go to Egypt. He might have cut off himself from the blessing of God. He might have cut off himself from the supply and the provision of God. Hallelujah. And Isaac eventually got to the point where he became the envy of the land. You know, God told Abraham that I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. You know, the people of the land, while there was a famine and this man was just sowing amongst us and increasing and increasing and increasing. And they knew that they had to, to come to, the, to, um, to terms with the fact that there was something different with this man. That this man has something else. And so they called him and they said, you are greater than us. We are too great. We can't accommodate you in our lands. Please leave us. We can't accommodate you. And if we read further in the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that, you know, um, Abimelech came to him after Isaac had left the land. Abimelech came to him. And so and Isaac was like, but you, you chased us away from our land, you know, from your land. What are you doing here? And he had to confess that we know that God is with you. We have seen the hand of God upon your life. How God has prospered you from one place to another. I want to enter into a covenant with you. And that man was smart. Because he had seen that God's hand was upon Isaac. And he said, enter into a covenant with me so that your people will not harm my people. And my people will not harm your people. That's what God wants for us. To be a light in darkness. To be a light in our world. To be an attraction wherever we find ourselves. But Isaac might have missed all that if he did not stay consecrated and obedient to God. If he didn't take time to hear God's voice and follow the specific path that God wanted for him in life. Now let's look at the life of Joseph. Again, a different, completely different dynamic. God had given Joseph a dream. And Joseph held on to that dream until he got thrown in prison. Now, I believe Joseph's famine started while he was in prison. Because while he was in prison, he had every reason to reject God, to turn his back on God. He had every natural reason to, lose, to, 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 to forget the dream that he had held on to his heart. But he didn't do that. He held his head high and he remained committed to the principles of God, to the principles of, of the covenant he had with God, even while he was in prison. And it got to the point where, you know, God eventually brought him in contact with Pharaoh. So there was going to be a famine in the land. Now with, with, with Abraham and with Joseph and with Isaac, they hit the famine. And in the midst of the famine, God made a way for them. In the case of Joseph, what happened? 
God told Joseph ahead of time that there was going to be a famine in the land. God had given Pharaoh a dream and Pharaoh had no clue what that dream, dream, dream meant. But God brought Joseph into his life. And Joseph was able to f- understand that what God was saying was that there was going to be a famine in the land. And what happened then, you know, he gave advice to the king. And he told the king what to do. There's going to be seven years of famine. There's going to be seven years of plenty. During the time of plenty, what do you do? You save. You know, God did not say that to Joseph. God did not tell Joseph, okay, on account of this dream, on account of the famine that is coming in the, um, upon the world, I want you to save, I want you to do this and to do that. But I believe so strongly that because of the attitude and focus that Joseph had over, his year, over the years, while he was a slave in Potiphar's house, you know, Potiphar recognized something about him. There was some administrative skill that he had. And he kept his head high. He kept working on those things such that when he went to the prison, even the, 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 the keeper of the prison recognized that there was something on this, on this man. And so because Joseph kept his focus all those years, because he held on to the promise of God, by the time a call was made, by the time he was called by Pharaoh, some of the experience that he's had over the years was brought to bear. Because he had been using what he had year in, year out. He didn't just fold his hands and turn his back on God, but he kept giving his best. And so he put himself in a position where he was called before the king and he was able to give sound advice. And the Bible says that Pharaoh thought that this advice was excellent. He found that advice good. And so God used Joseph to not only save himself, but to save the entire world. To save the entire world as a result of his commitment to purpose. Elijah was another person. Elijah again was a man on God's assignment. And the Bible makes us understand that there was yet again famine in the land. But what did God do? God um, told Elijah to go to the river. And as he was going to drink from a particular river. And he commanded a raven to bring food to him. Eventually, the river dried up, and what happened? God told him the next, his next point of supply. I have commanded a widow to feed you. I have commanded a widow to feed you. So Elijah was a man on assignments, and God knew that, you know, was committed to ensuring that the famine would not get to him. For every man, for every woman who understands that they are here on assignments, you know, God is definitely committed to ensuring That whatever famine might come up in your time, whatever difficulty, whatever challenge, that there is a way around it. God always has a plan for you. And when you recognize that I'm here on an assignment, you can make a demand on the power of God. You can make a demand on the ability of God. You can make a demand on the supply of God to ensure that you are kept and preserved. So this is our year of restart. God is telling us that I want to restart things in your life. So I don't know if there are people here that you have strayed away from God's plan in one area or another. This is a time for you to go back to God, to trace your steps back to God. And, 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 and reconfirm what God wants you to do in various areas of your life. For every aspect of your life, God has a plan. God has a word of instruction. God has a direction. 
And if we learn to retrace our steps, God is going to give you a restart. If you learn to go back to God and go back to your source, wherever you might have missed it, God is going to bring a restart in your life. And for some of us, it's just to even connect to God's grace afresh to enable us run that race more effectively. More effectively. God says that I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. We have seen some results in the past, but God is saying I want to bring about better results. I want to bring about greater results because I cannot be limited to the things that I've done in the past. I want to do new things in your life. And as we will focus our hearts on restarting with God, on going back to God, I tell you God is going to bring about great things in us and through us. Glory to God. So have an attitude of consecration to God. That's the most important thing you can do. An attitude of consecration. An attitude of consecration. That I'm here not on my own terms. I am here because I am am an agent of God. I'm here because God has placed me here for for his plan and for his purpose. And we say, God, whatever you have me do, I will do. Glory to God. We should also understand that God, God works in you and through you. The Bible says that God is always at work in us, creating and energizing in us the power and the desire, both to will and to work of his good pleasure, satisfaction and delight. God is at work in you. When you stay connected to God, God will begin to bring about desires, his desires in your heart. God will begin to stir things in your heart. And God also works through you. God also works through you. Like I said concerning Joseph, you know, God gave Joseph the interpretation of the dream. But then Joseph had the ability by the wisdom of God to begin to put specific plans in place to bring about the realization or the preservation of the people in that time. So God works in you, stirring up desires, giving you dreams, putting thoughts, giving you instructions. But then he's also working through you. He's going to walk through your mind. He's going to walk through your hands. He's going to walk as you take steps. And that's why it's important that we learn to acknowledge him every aspect of the way. Now let's go back to Ruth for a moment. I believe Ruth, by her disposition to life, was a woman of destiny. If we compare, the Bible says that um, Elimelech's two sons just picked wives. One was Opa, one was um, um, Ruth. And what happened? You know, he died, the sons died, the husbands died. And Naomi called the two daughters. I don't have anything for you again. You know, I'm going back to my land. Please go back to Moab and go and marry and live your lives and continue living your lives. And the Bible says that, oh, they both wept, they kissed her and they cried and they said, no, we're not going with you. You know, we'll follow you wherever you go. And, you know, they kept going. And she said to them again, there's nothing here. And there was absolutely nothing. It didn't make any sense. They were going back. She was going back to her land. She was going back to her people. You know, there was nothing in the natural that she could offer to them again. And so what did the Bible say concerning Opa? Um, I want to read Ruth 1 again. Verse 15. 
verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And up and kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Upper returns to her people and returns to her gods. But Ruth said something. I'm not turning back from following you. I've seen something in you. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. There was absolutely nothing in the life of Naomi at that time for Ruth to desire to cling to her. But she must have seen that this woman was a woman of covenant. She must have seen that this woman had a God that was greater than the gods of my land, that was greater than the gods that I had grown with all my life. And I'm going to pitch tents with this woman. I'm going to pitch tents with this God of covenant. I'm going to stick with this God because I know that there's something about this God. So there was absolutely nothing in the natural, but Ruth must have seen something beyond, you know, what beyond Naomi's person and beyond what Naomi was carrying that made her decide to stick with her. Amen. And you know that that decision changed Ruth's life forever. The Bible did not, Ruth was, Ruth was eventually one of the foremothers of David and was ultimately in the lineage of, of Jesus. Now the Bible did not tell us anywhere that it was Ruth that was going to be one of the mothers of David and in the lineage of Jesus. But the decisions that she took in life placed her in a position to be used by God. The decisions that she took in life. Now, someone might ask, okay, what if Elimelech had really never gone to the land of Moab? Like I said, the Bible did not say it must have been Ruth. But I believe so strongly in my heart that because of Ruth's openness and disposition towards God, you know, she might have encountered God one way or the other. And even if she didn't get to marry Boaz, God would have given her a semblance of Boaz, even in the land of Moab. So her actions, her decisions, essentially placed her in a position where God could use her, where God, you know, could make her an, an, an instrument of change. Upper went back to her land and nobody heard from her after that. But today we are still celebrating the life of Ruth. We are still declaring the name of Ruth. She's still being celebrated one way or the other. Why? Because she chose to connect with the covenant, with the God that she saw in the life of her mother-in-law. The decisions we make in life can make us or break us. Amen. If you look at the life of Judas also, there was a prophecy that one disciple would betray Jesus. The Bible never said it was Judah, Judas. But what happened? The actions of Judas, the decisions that Judas chose to take in life, placed him in a position to be used by the devil for the devil's, um, you know, for the devil's plan. And what happened? He eventually destroyed himself. But if you look at the life of Peter, on the contrary, Peter was exuberant about Jesus, was, was you know, wanted to give his whole life to Jesus and told Jesus that he would never ever deny him. So he had a heart to pursue God. And what happened? Even when Peter denied Jesus, he found repentance. He found repentance and he was restored. Glory to God. So the choices we make in life, 
The decisions that we make in life, many times we might not see the results in one day, in the first month, in one year, but they ultimately have far-reaching consequences in our lives. When we, look through, when, when, when we decide to choose for God, even when it seems that you are losing out in the short term, know that you are sowing a seed that you are going to reap a harvest ultimately. So it's not time for us to settle for short-term benefits. But what is most important is to ask ourselves, what is God saying to me at this time? What is God instru- God's instruction to me at this time? Where can I see God moving? Where can I see God going? And I'm going to pitch my tent with God. Like Ruth decided that she was going to follow where she saw God moving. Where is God pitching his tent? What is God doing in my life? And I'm going to pitch my tent. I'm not going to look for short-term relief. I'm not going to look for short-term solutions because I know that I don't have all the answers. But I'm going to focus on the plan that God has. I'm going to trust God to work in that plan. I'm going to trust him that he knows what is best for me. And ultimately, he will make me an instrument for his kingdom. Hallelujah. Let's rise on our feet this morning. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-00640.